even in reference to that which we've sung of, it would be to a musical group, classic Motown from the 60s and 70s, The Temptations, lots of great hits, including My Girl, and I think uh, you can maybe hear some of the others as, as you think about The Temptations. That's not what we're confessing today. There's a different temptation. You go down a little bit further and you'll bump into things referring to Jesus' temptation or our own temptation. That's where we want to sit. Jesus' temptation is clearly a unique experience. There's only one Son of God. What was going on there is probably not completely stuff that we relate to. However, I think there is a strong correlation between Jesus being tempted and our temptations. I've often wondered if Jesus' temptation following so quickly after his baptism is maybe a, a hint that baptized believers probably come under more temptation than others. I wonder too, that since Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, if that isn't also true of us, that, that we become the battleground of these spiritual forces, good and evil. Did you hear? We're not only in the battle, which is also a biblical image, but I, at times I think we are the battleground. We're the one we're the very territory that these forces are battling for. Your mind, my mind, our lives. Good and evil fighting right here. Have you sensed that tension within? We can wonder quite a bit about this text and its connections. What I'm going to do this morning, for the sake of time, is just to jump off this text into the pool of the New Testament and say, what are some of the things we can learn about temptations? And because there was more scriptures than I have the time to take you to, I've given you a sheet with those references so that you can uh, follow along not only in the sermon, but maybe throughout this week looking up some texts that will help you deal with this topic. So if you want to fill in the blanks, grab a pen. Uh, I've left some blanks for you there, and then you'll be able to look up scriptures later. I'm going to take you to a couple of my favorites, but the rest you'll have to look up on your own. Temptations are not a musical group, but number one, enticements to sin. Enticements, E-N, enticements to sin. If you catch this, it's not actually sin itself but rather an attractive opportunity to sin. Another image, if you're a fish, it's the lure. If you're a waterfowl, it's the decoy. It's not really the actual devastating event itself, but it's making it look really good. And it gets your attention. And the reason we can say that is because Jesus was tempted and yet did not sin. There's a difference between temptation and sin. Otherwise, we could never attach temptation to the life of Jesus. He was tempted, but did not sin. 
Number two, temptations are common to everyone. You didn't know this. My guess is you did. We all experience temptations. Jesus is unique. Yours is unique. But we all experience temptations. We could cite 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and I want to go there later. That is one of my favorites. But I think even experience will tell you that that's true. You hear it from your friends in the faith if they're honest, and you know it from your own life experience. Even the great saints, when they write about their lives of faith, uh, will often speak of the deep temptations one way or another in their lives. Number three, temptations are from Satan. They're from Satan. He is, in this text, Jesus calls him Satan. He's also introduced as the devil. But you, you also hear he's the tempter. That's the way the text refers to this enemy of ours. The one who tempts us is not God. James tells us that real clearly, and that's another text I'm going to take you to in a couple minutes. But I would say that there's really quite a fine line, if not a little overlapping, between what we know as God's tests that strengthen our faith and Satan's temptations that are intended to weaken, if not destroy our faith. You see, they're often quite the same. In fact, the same Greek word is used in the New Testament, forcing Bible translators to pick is it temptation or is it testing? Who's doing it? What's the result? And, and you'll find that, that difficulty when even studying this idea. But lest you think that it's always Satan, not God, and therefore we can say, the devil made me do it, we need to be reminded of our part in this. Jesus taught in Matthew 18 that we can actually put a stumbling block in front of one another. It's not just Satan who brings about temptation, but you and I can tempt one another. We can be tempted and Satan uses others sometimes in our lives to draw us into sinful activity, sinful thoughts, sinful behavior. But it's always through us. And that's the next blank. It's always through us. Satan is at work, but we can't blame him completely for everything that's going on because James points in a whole different direction. I want to read this text to you. James 1 says, No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. So that gets God out of the temptation business leave Satan involved. But then you think, well, the next verse says, but one is tempted, and you expect to see Satan in there, and guess what? James doesn't buy that. He says, but one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured, there's the word, and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, and watch this beautiful analogy, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Pretty powerful words to say. We're involved in this, folks. 
You can't put it all in Satan's lap. We're involved. And it's that principle of our desires that then Paul unpacks in my next bullet note as our desire for riches, being rich. That's one of our traps. You can take a look at that on your own. The Apostle Paul also says part of the problem is our lack of self-control. In 1 Corinthians 7, especially in the area of sexuality, lack of control will get us in trouble. And then Jesus even looks at his sleeping disciples in Gethsemane and says, it's your weakness that is the problem. But I hope you see that whether it's desires or lack of self-control or weakness, um, Satan may be the one behind this, but we're giving him a lot to work with. We're involved in this, friends, and we need to own up to our part. Fortunately, we've got Jesus with us in this. In fact, the good news comes in point four. Temptations are resistible. Resistible, not irresistible. Resistible, R-E start, with God's help. I've listed some of the helps I found in the New Testament. First is the Lord's Prayer. We said that. Were you mindful of what we were saying? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a lot to unpack there. But just as Jesus was led into temptation, we're saying, don't, don't lead me that way. And in a sense, the second phrase is, but if you do, then deliver me from evil. But if you look at the footnote, it's the evil one. Deliver me from the tempter who's bringing this on. And so the Lord's Prayer is one of our, our armaments against the enemy. God's faithfulness in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, which is my other favorite passage, we find this loud and clear. Hear it. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. That's the second point we mentioned. But then the next phrase is, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful, first of all, by limiting our testing or temptation, but also by giving us a way out. We don't often look for it. We don't often take it. But it's there. There's a way out. He's provided it. God is faithful. Paul mentions God's power in 2 Corinthians 12, where, where when Paul is weak, Christ's power rests on him. Ephesians 6, I hope you thought of the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that in the day of evil, you're, you're standing. You're ready. You're all dressed for it. And you can stand against the enemy. And then lastly, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted so he's able to sympathize and, and help us when we're tempted. We've got all of this working in our favor. But friends, once again, we can ignore it. It can be right there in front of us, provided for us, but we can say no thanks and stumble through the temptation into sin. So, I pulled out some other 
recommendations from the New Testament for us. Watch out. My mom used to say this. Watch, watch out when you're standing, when you think everything's going quite well, and you say, hey, I've got this under control. Bam! Right then, watch out, not just when you're down, when you're weak. Watch out when you're strong. You're thinking, ooh, I got this lick. Uh-uh. Watch out. Flee. And did you notice these verses come on both sides of the temptation passage I just read? There's the idea of watch out and then flee. Don't flirt with temptation. Run from it. When you see it coming, go the other way. Examine yourself. The text is before communion. Examine yourself. Examine yourself in Galatians when you're helping someone who stumbles. Isn't that interesting? They've fallen for temptation, and we want to help them, but watch out. Examine yourself in the midst of that. Why are we doing this? Endure. There's a reward in enduring. Submit to God. I love that because it comes first before resisting the devil. Don't try to resist the devil if you're not submitting to God. Submit to God first. Discipline yourself. Oh, boy. Discipline yourself because the devil is like a lion. He's roaring and prowling and looking for someone to devour. And you better be alert. And that takes a lot of self-discipline. Well, as we wrap things up here, it's convicting enough. Um, let me introduce you to a word that we don't often use. I don't use it. I don't, I don't remember hearing it around the church. But I'd like us to maybe tuck it into our vocabulary. It's the word besetting sin. It's an old English word, but it, it's really even an older Christian thought. And that is that Satan has a tactic that he uses with me, he uses with you. And that is he's looking for a weak spot, a vulnerable spot in your life, a chink in your armor. And when he finds it, he starts to just dig in after it. And the more he does it, the bigger that gap gets. And then that just becomes something he can just get us again and again and again. And when he attacks us again and again, we start to fall more and more. And I think in the midst of all that, we're likely to sin. I mean, it's just not required, but it's so likely. And it's in that habitual sinning that we have a besetting sin. The old spiritual fathers would say, what is your besetting sin? Have you identified it? Satan knows. <laughs> your enemy knows. Do you, have you been able to label it? I'll tell you mine. comes up perennially, if not monthly, weekly. I so treasure peaceful relationships that I will tiptoe around the truth and often avoid conflict. That is my number one, as I prayed about this week, number one besetting sin. And you very likely have a besetting sin. Have you thought about it? Can you write it down? Have you thought about strategies that work against it? Because God's given you quite a bit. To, to fight that. I've been given quite a bit to resist my besetting sin, but 
Let's think about it. Let's pray about it, especially as we come to communion, to know that that Satan's tactic is like this, and yet we have all that God's given us to fight against it. And when we do resist that besetting sin, and resist it, and resist it, maybe even using a tactic like Jesus used, you know what he did? He quoted scripture. That was his strategy. Did you notice he quoted Deuteronomy, the book we just finished reading? Three times he quotes Deuteronomy. Of all the books in the Bible, he's quoting Deuteronomy. Maybe that's the strategy we need to have. There's certainly others. But to identify the besetting sin and the strategy, and if we gain some victory in that, I believe, just like in the story we read, that the devil will leave. He'll get tired. This isn't working. I'll go on to someone who's got a bigger gaping hole than this one. He's got to move on, and the angels will come and minister to you and me. God, that's what we want. We don't want to keep stumbling into the same old sin time after time. Would you give us help to be honest with you about our besetting sin and to take a strategy that comes right from your word and gives us all that you've blessed us with to fight against our enemies. I pray that we might have victory individually and corporately, I pray. In the name of the victor himself, Jesus Christ. Amen.